Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Conscious Vibe Podcast, where we elevate intellect through conscious dialogue while exploring race, politics, business, and culture. I'm Dr. Daryl L. Jones, and I'm Charles D. Mitchell. So, welcome, Cass Thomas. Thank you so much. It's Thank you so much for your kindness. Absolutely. <laughs> And your handsomeness. Can we just say it? I'm, I just need to say it. That's what people say, right? You know, I know you know this, but, and I'm like, you know what? I don't mind hearing it though again. <laughs> well, you know, we are really happy to have you with us today. And um, where are you today? What's in I'm in Rome, Italy. I would not have guessed that. I would not have. Guessed. Okay. Although I did recall that you started a production studio with a friend in, in, in Italy. So I don't know if that is what keeps you there or that's part of the reason why you live there currently. But um, wow. Love Rome, by the way. Yes. Yeah. All roads lead here. You've got a lovely bed and breakfast if you guys want to come. Nice, nice garden, too. Oh, man. Do you really? You know what? You <laughs> should actually send us that. Yeah. Yeah. In Monte Sacro, Sacred Mountain, in uh, Citta Giardino, the city of gardens. Okay. So it's the, the northeast off the Nomentana. You know, it has all these, um, like, eight roads, right? Mm-hmm. And so off the Nomentana, which is the northeast um, road. You recall uh, and the Governo? Is there, like, a street called Governo or that is near the river? Near the Tevere? Yes. Governo. Governo, correct. Mm. <laughs> what have you been there? I have. No, I actually I, I lived there for a few weeks in an apartment. Ah, fantastic! I lived in Tessivity for four years. What, what years was that? Oh, this is this is gosh, probably I think it was like 2015, 16. It's been a while. Okay, that's not that long. That, ago. That's only five years ago. <laughs> I know you're so young that that seems like it's. <laughs> <laughs> These days, if it wasn't six months ago, it was a long time ago, right? If it wasn't yesterday or this morning, right? <laughs> so, Cass Thomas, I can already tell we're not going to have enough time for you because you're so effervescent. <laughs> I love your personality already. I, I can tell. So you are a communications and uh, connection consultant, right? Amongst other things. Amongst other but things. But can you tell us about that aspect uh, of your world? Yeah, well, I love that communication and connection because that's what communication is about, right? A lot of times people think communication is me getting my point across to you and making sure that you understand me, right? But it's actually always minimum a two-way street. So that connection is, you know, you call someone on the phone, dial the number, ring, ring, ring. Are you connected? No. No. And they say hello, right? They have started a communication you say hello how are you boom that's the connection so yeah so the communication is um is really about connecting with people from many different um perspectives and i always invite people to be willing to see things from other people's points of view you know what i mean a lot of times somebody might say something to us that um, can offend us or right we feel like it's a judgment but if we're actually willing to see, you know, how their day's going, what is their perspective? How are they seeing the world? Well, you know what I mean? In that moment, we might even be able to um, get a compliment, actually, out of what is considered a judgment, you know? Wow. 
I mean, we need more of that in the world right now than ever, um, because I think part of I think part of what we struggle with as a global community, and I'll speak largely, you know, here in the United States, um, we don't hear each other, right? Everyone has a viewpoint. We talk about things that we that we really firmly believe in, and that we have a real rooted position about whatever subject or issue there is that we're all dealing with. And we don't hear one another. And we certainly don't hear one another in a way where I can listen and say, okay, yeah, no, I understand where you're coming from. We just don't do that. And and I just, I think that's a massive gap and it creates so much, it creates so much difference in terms of like how we operate and how we live. And at the end of the day, we're all not different. Y'all, we're all the same, but that, that just keeps us separate enough that we aren't able to be together as a community. Uh, and so I think you're spot on. Yeah. So you, you, you just see my breathing change, right? So you are communicating to me, but you're also connecting with me. My heart is like melting. I got my tear, tears of uh, sort of gratitude in my eyes. Uh, but, and um, absolutely, absolutely. And what is the difference between hearing and listening? Because that's what you were talking about. Right. And that's part of communication. Are you willing to listen to people? You know what I mean? Are you willing to hear what they say, but also listen to them? Because what we say verbally, right, is a phrase. And there's like 10 other phrases that are being communicated simultaneously. So are you you willing not only to hear what people to say, but to, to listen actually to what they're communicating? Yeah, that's amazing. And so when, what you were saying, you know, a lot of times, we, like I was saying before, we don't actually listen. It's like, no, no, no let, me t- let me tell you what I, 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 let me tell you what I want to tell you, <laughs> as opposed to what is it that I can say and in what way can I say it that you actually, that it would actually be a, um, an, a, a gift and a, and a contribution to you and that you can hear it, you know? And you'd be willing to listen to it. And that's very, very, in this particular time. Yeah, very interesting. So, Cass, I'm going to imagine you weren't born in Italy. (laughs) (laughs) You've got some genius going on, darling. I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? You just got some genius going on. (laughs) Not in this lifetime. (laughs) I was born and raised in Boston, Roxbury, Massachusetts. Boston, yeah. Rocks too, huh? Okay. Yes, yeah. And uh, and I was one of the few people to leave Boston to go to college somewhere else in New York. Wow, so you know who Patrice O'Neill is? Or was? Say it again? You know who Patrice O'Neill was? Of course. Wasn't he from Roxbury? Yes, yes. And my grandmother, she was... um, uh, from Roxbury, and she uh, she was in politics too. She was uh, the um, direct, deputy um, commissioner of insurance for the state of Massachusetts. Is that right? Yeah. So, okay, like, you were born in in outside of Boston. Inside of Boston, it's like uh, from our from where I live. When I moved at six, right? But from where we live, on the top floor, you could see the um, the John Hancock. You know. It's not outside right. of Boston, Roxbury. You're right there. So then, walk, ten minutes from the center. From the center. So mm-hmm. walk us through a little bit of what took you to Italy and why you feel like Italy is home for you now. 
Yeah, well, all roads do lead to Rome. It's funny. I, um, when I was eight years old in the third grade, I studied, I studied, I went to school and there was a um, little, um, you know, timid Irish American woman who every day would write on the board in French. Good morning. Today's Monday. Bonjour. Aujourd'hui est lundi. Good morning. Today's Tuesday, right? Every, every day, mm-hmm. right? For, you know, September to June. And it was before, you know, kids at that age were studying languages, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, um, Dominican from the Dominican Republic and from Puerto Rico. So Spanish was uh, very big there, not that much French. And at the end of that year, I said, one day I am going to move to Paris and I'm going to speak French. And um, yeah, I did. <laughs> I went to yeah university in New York and um and I did my third year, um, junior year abroad in Paris. And I came to visit Rome. And I remember the first time I was standing beside the Colosseum. Mm. And I really felt like my my feet were, roots were coming out of my feet plugged there. And I was like, wow, that's like the communication. It was communicating with me, <laughs> connecting with me, the Colosseum, right? And I looked at it, guys, and I was like, how could anyone be living in a place with this 2000 plus year old thing and think that what's going on in their life at the moment is so dire straits. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, so I wasn't born in, in Rome, you know, however, I did feel at home here. Yeah. And I went back to New York. I told my dad I wanted to study French and he was like, you ain't studying French. French, the Spanish is going to be the second language in this country. What are you going to do? I was like, look, dad, if everyone's speaking Spanish, you know, I'll learn Spanish. Let me study French. Mm -hmm. And then I went to college. I'm going to, I'm going to get a degree in French. What? You're not going to get a job. You better get, so I got a degree in journalism, but I studied enough French to be able to do it junior year abroad. And it really did uh, change my life, even going to New York, because I don't know if you guys know, but you know, there's less than a million people in Boston. Mm-hmm. It's like six hundred and fifty thousand in Boston, and uh, I, I just, I just um, desired and demanded something larger. So going to New York, boom, the, you know, and it's quite, it was quite global. Uh, Roxbury too, where I grew up, grew up. I did, uh, New York is just a beautiful town. Yeah, <laughs> the subway's up, up and the battery's down. <laughs> and you, uh, which university did you attend there? NYU. Oh, awesome. Great school. Yeah. Awesome. NYU. Yeah, yeah it was great. So, uh, Charles is just, you're in the process of having some roots in New York, right? I am. Yeah. I just left New York a few days ago and um, under contract on, a, on an apartment there and uh, excited to spend more time in the city. Just love New York. It just has a vibrancy that you just don't get just about anywhere else in the world, except for perhaps Rome. And uh, every time I, I, I land in the city, I just I just get filled with this 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 joy and this excitement. So I'm, I'm excited to explore it more. Yeah. And, you know, there, it's different. You know what I mean? And as you, I'm sure you have the, the, the two of you, Fred. So there's, you know, something rich and lively and, and wonderful there. And you've got other friends. I mean, it's that are different. They're not less rich, you know, and, and they're just different. So that's the way the cities are. New York is different. Rome is different. Palermo is different. Bangalore is different, you know. Uh, Mumbai is freaking amazing, you know. I travel around the world. I, I, this is our home, this planet, right? This so everywhere you go, you're like, okay, what do you have to share? 
<laughs> you know? No, I couldn't agree with you more. And, it, and it's so uh, inspiring to hear that perspective because we need to feel like we're home regardless of, of where we go and have the opportunity to call it home. I was at 29th in Madison for almost five years uh, li- living in New York City and as a kid in Yonkers. And um, I think I found out more about myself, probably good and bad, in New York City than anywhere else uh, th- that I've lived. And it's going to test you in ways you'll, you'll, you've never been tested. And it's usually around that year three where you're like, I'm cut out for this or I'm not. And for that was three, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Unfortunately. Yeah. You, you know, two years, you're still kind of feeling it out. Year three, it's like, nah, dog, you, you're a part of this. So you're either making it better or making it worse for everybody else. So um, well, thank you for that, because it, it's funny that I was away that third year. And then I did spend another 10 years there. So I was okay. there like 14 or 15 years. But it's very, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's my yeah. anyway, Cass. Yeah, well, it's actually your awareness. Yeah. 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 It's just interesting, the conversation. You know, I was itching a little earlier because, you you know, when you talk about listening, like I could, as I, as I listened to your conversation and things you were sharing, like there's like a physical sort of like, movement where you're like, wow, this is so interesting. And like, I really want to learn more and hear more. I read some things about how your, some of your start of your career was rooted in the service industry and you got a ton of accolades for just how you delivered, you know, you were, I guess you received like this major award uh, in, in that field. Tell us how that propelled you into where you are right now with the work that you do. You know, it's so uh, interesting. Uh, um, people ask me, I do uh, coaching and, and group uh, sessions and stuff. And people ask me, when did I start that? Somebody asked me that the other day. And I recognize that, you know, living in Boston, it's cold. <laughs> it's colder than New York. It was like, I started, I wanted to move south. Yeah. I thought, yeah. I asked my mom many times, are you sure there was not a woman from Jamaica in the hospital when I was born? And there's some poor girl in Jamaica saying, dang, it's hot here. <laughs> it's freezing in Boston. <laughs> when it snowed one day in June, I was like, no, that's it. That's it. I'm gone. <laughs> so the, um, really, the, when I was in New York and um, studying, I studied journalism and I had worked in journalism for a bit. But when I graduated, uh, it just was not, it didn't um, ping me to accept some of the job offers I got. Um, a, economically, um, uh, and B, um, I had been, I was working at Jezebel's. I don't know if you guys remember that. It was a fabulous restaurant in, in New York but on my um, last year in college. And I was like, how is it that I was making, working three days a week, you know, three times what they're going to be paying me, right? Mm-hmm. So when I was living in Paris, I did, um, I had seen something on the board in uh, at the Sorbonne uh, University saying, come in, on vacation and, and learn Spanish in Spain. And I was like, oh, dad, can you give me a little bit of money to go there? So I went back to New York and I was speaking fluent in Spanish and in French, hmm. uh, which wasn't easy. You know, I, I wasn't, because I wasn't a major in, in French. So I did, you know, tighten up my uh, buckle and, and live with a gal who didn't speak uh, English to learn more French. And going to Spain, I had to take a long ride and I just looked at some children's books. So when they tested you to go to zero level or first level, 
I already had recognized how to say, look at uh, Jane and Bob run. Jane and Bob ran. So I recognized the past tense. So I went to back to New York. Um, and, um, and I spoke a couple of languages. And a girlfriend who graduated with me, she was like, well, why don't you come and work in the hotel industry? You know, they're looking for people with uh, languages. And for me, you know, if you think about it, and now I am doing writing and stuff, um, but I have been very engaging with people. I like people, you know, I do. It's one of my things. I like people and I like, and I see inside of them who they really are. They may not be functioning that way, but who, who they really are. And I'm always trying to ignite that and invite that. And even as a child. So when you ask me, when did I start? You know what I mean? It's even in Boston when it's cold outside, some people were feeling cold inside. And I was always trying to get them to see the warmth inside. So working in the hotel industry with people coming in from around the world all the time and in a continuous engagement with people and, you know, not the same people, obviously, because they can check in and check out. Um, so that was amazing. And uh, I worked in, you know, brought two hotels up to five stars and five diamonds. So the Essex House, which is a... Um, at the time, it was a Japanese uh, company. My uncle had married a Japanese woman. So, you know, all this intercultural thing, I loved it. And, and also, you know, um, at the Ritz-Carlton, we uh, went to five stars, five diamonds, even though we were under, under renovation. And so I went back to university too, part-time, doing... Um, doing a master's in theatrical management, you know, and then when they reopened again, uh, we, we were amazing. And I did win uh, concierge of the year from where magazine, <laughs> which, 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 and, which property? Central the one that was my central park South. Yeah. That's Actually the Essex house and, and the Ritz Carlton were like 10 steps away from one yeah. another. So I spent like almost 10 years on the same strip. Yeah. And I did live in Hell's Kitchen, so I was 10 minutes away. Once, I'm sure I could say this, Denzel Washington, right, was at the at the Ritz-Carlton. It was Thanksgiving. And I was a concierge. I got him a limo. It was snowing. So kind. And I'm waiting for a taxi outside because it was cold. And he in the limo says, hey, can I give you a ride? And I was like, why do I live so close? <laughs> <laughs> it's a 10 minute walk uh, <laughs> so it's a five minute ride i'm not gonna ask like, more questions i was, <laughs> I was like it's so funny when my mom got <laughs> alzheimer's i tell that story when my mom got alzheimer's she once said did i ever tell you about the time denzel washington gave me that i was like look i know you got alzheimer's mom but that is my story that's not yours <laughs> uh, anyway so yeah so, um, so really being a contribution to people and, and nurturing them and doing everything I could to um, make their stay uh, and their, you know, on this journey called life, right? Um, and at the hotel or, you know, enjoyable is something that I've always um, been engaged with. So when a girlfriend of mine came um, to, when I came to Italy, they were like, oh, this guy, American guy, oh can you um why don't, can we produce a film and i was like uh i've done theater i haven't really done films yeah but you know you you've organized you've did. 
So I had a production company for six years. So the, the, it's so funny how whatever you choose, like at eight years old, what that opens up for you, you know? It's a question I sometimes ask people. What did you know you wanted to do at eight years old? You know, before you started putting on, you know, the hat and the gloves and the walking shoes of other people, what did you want to do at eight? What did you guys want to do at eight? I thought that was this? Gonna be rhetorical. Right. But I, so, was hoping it was gonna, I was hoping it was going to be rhetorical too. So I was going first. <laughs> Next time we talk, you, I'm, I'm sure you're going to remember it. You don't remember when Cass asked us that? Be honest, I remember be now. Simple. I just wanted to be nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's, it's, there were two things that were important to me. Um, I thought either playing professional football or honestly becoming some type of doctor. And um, in 2018, I was, I never played professional football, but I did earn my, my doctorate in 2018. And I can honestly tell you, Cass, early in life, I knew that's something I wanted to do. So I, I, don't, yeah. know, I don't know, how about you? No, I mean, I, you know, similar perspectives. I think, you know, I, I would look back on that time when I was you know, maybe eight years old and I loved the game of basketball. And, um, and and the idea of, and I think that's evolved for me now, the idea of wanting to somehow be involved with that game, whether it be a player, whether it be, and where my mindset is these days, do I want to have an ability to have some type of ownership in a team? But I always knew from, from, from the, my, my grandmother was a florist. She owned a florist in a small town in North Carolina. And so I also had this idea that, I want to own a business one day. Like I want, that's, I want to own a business and make a lot of money. And um, without any real context about what any of that really meant or what the, what the outcomes could be from, from any of that. Um, and so I, I think I've still held on to a lot of those things, you know, to your point, you know, you hold on to those early ideas and dreams about what life can be um, from an early age. So, so yeah, I would, I would say that's kind of where my, my, my mind was rooted at the time. And you know yeah. what? I'll say this, and then I want to kind of dig a little bit into your your way of thinking. But I think, um, you know, part of the reason that was important to me, at least the doctoral path, was I knew it also what would come with that is a certain level of knowledge. And that's always been important to me, but not just amassing knowledge, but the ability to offer it to others. And that's always been something that's important. I, mean, I was an only child and latchkey kid and all that. So um, figuring things out for myself oftentimes was important. But the older I got, it also became important to help folks who I felt like probably weren't quite there. And that's remained important to me. So, you know, uh, people I grew up with or today, you know, students, whatever it might be. But I, But I have a question for you because... You know, one of the things that there are very few people, in my opinion, who give off what you give off. And I want to know what you think the root of it is. I think a lot of it has to do with the level of comfort you have for yourself. That you've achieved a level of comfort with who you are, what you appreciate, what inspires you, and you're very comfortable with that. How important or how much thought do you give to that in terms of who you are in this world? Well, you know, I really um, recognize that I keep moving forward. 
You know what I mean? And so, um, and I'd like to be the invitation for others mm. to keep moving forward. And just this, I'm so happy about this eight-year-old conversation that we just had, because I don't know if you actually remembered it and how much have we actually accomplished, right? That uh, how many of our targets and goals have we actually accomplished that we didn't even remember that we had said them. I remember when they invited me to my high school, the oldest public high school in the country and in, in the U.S. It's um, Boston Latin. It's an exam school. You know, it's a uh, it's great. Sixteen thirty five. Anyway, um, they asked me to come back, and you know, but I was already, I think, living in Rome. And they was and said, you know, tell people, talk to the students who are graduating about their future and their career. And it was so maybe I wasn't yet in Rome, and I was so such an inspiration that and I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to tell them? I was supposed to be studying journalism, and then I worked in the hotel industry, and then I went into producing films, and then I started doing uh, sales and marketing for and film festivals, and then television festivals, and then and the invitation for me to look at that and share it with people allowed me to see, you know what, I would not be where I am today had I not done all of that, you know? So how many of the experiences that we have um, do we choose, right? Following our, our intuition, our gut, our, you know, what brings us joy that actually accompanies us, right, on this journey called life. And you said you're not, haven't played football yet, who knows? They might have an over a certain age professional football thing. You know what I mean? And you'll be like, boom. Hold on. Why does it have to be about all that? She said a certain age. She didn't. She didn't. Yeah, I did. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I think you're over 18. I'm not sure. Usually you need to get be a little over 18 to get a doctor's degree. I don't know about there, but I don't think they're hiring people for the football over 25. Okay. <laughs> you know, I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to layer onto that question that BJ just asked you because you know I was thinking about this and I wanted to, it was one of the things I wanted to ask you about as well. I would suspect that some of it also is that you're very conscious, you know. And one of the things I saw in in some 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 of the uh, information about you was that you teach people consciousness. Tell us a little bit about that. Like, how much of you being really self aware, you being conscious helps you, you know, to try to make, like, we obviously see there's like a real connection that you have with people and you have a way that makes people really, really comfortable and you are able to share and move people. How do you leverage that? And also how do you teach it to others? Right. Should I just mention that? I'm so sorry. We're only here for an hour together. I shouldn't mention that. I said it at the beginning. And that we're not. Hello. And when you come dinner, Yes, okay. absolutely. Oh, yes, absolutely. At my house, it's like amazing. And those are long okay. dinners in Rome. Dinner. <laughs> exactly. That's Which is something awesome. that I love. It's so funny. They do yeah. say here, I do want to answer your question. I want to answer your question. Um, but they do say here, oh, I don't really know them. I haven't even ever had dinner with them. Isn't that interesting? Oh, and a lot of times in the States, you know, it's like when you have dinner, okay, we got to get out the, you know, the silverware, the crystal. But here, you know, it's the the main dinner with friends is they call it alio olio pepperoncino, which is garlic, olive oil, and and um, chili peppers. Hmm. It's just like oh, we don't have that. Everyone has that. So if there's no food, and if there's enough for two, there's always enough for three. Isn't that amazing? 
Yeah. I really love I love uh, eating. Thankfully, I was a vegetarian for 20 years. Otherwise, I'd be as big as a house probably. But I, I eat. I love to eat. Anyway, um, what, I, what I know, what you guys would say is what I believe, is that we're all conscious. You know, consciousness is, is what we are, you know, and then so we're in also these bodies and our bodies are amazing how much information, how much consciousness does it have when we talk about intuition, gut feeling, you know what I mean? You're following that. That's what it is when, you know, and so what I like to do is um, be the invitation for people to see it from different perspectives so they can see what their unique and, you know, in business, we say your unique selling point. I say in your unique brand of magic. What is the way in which you connect? And you know what? I just started with someone on uh, Instagram with this. I've got a teacher's program, right? In the morning, we start singing. I'm not a professional singer. But when I, that is what activates my connection with my consciousness. I wake up in the morning, you might wake up in the morning, you're thinking, about, oh my gosh, my checklist, what do I got to do? Blah, blah, blah. You're already up in your head and your mind, right? But you're not connected with your heart, with your essence, with your, you know, and with, you know, and just having some ease in, in your body. Mm-hmm. And so we just started this. It's so funny. What's the first thing? And it really does change my particular vibe. What is it for other people? Might be going out and saying hello to the birds or to the sky or something really simple that actually gets you connected with your consciousness, you know, and not just your thoughts and your, you know, self-judgment and your self-doubt and your, you know, non-confidence and your worry and your, you know, guilt or all that stuff. You know what I mean? You get lots, you get the other um, 23 hours and 58 minutes and 30 seconds of the day to do that but what if you were to start the day you know and and those and those 23 hours and 58 sec, uh, minutes and, and 30 seconds start reducing you know yeah so Cass obviously you know you're you're here and you're um teaching and inspiring and communicating and connecting I'm gonna bring you back and ask what do you think today, as you sit here and think about all of this, what was your parents' role in all of this? I got to tell you, <clears throat> amazing. Um, and thank you for the question. Um, huge. Huge. Yeah. It's so funny um, because they were opposites and opposites attract, you know? And I didn't know that they, when I was a kid, I just kept trying to try to get them to get a divorce because, you know, the way they were communicating. And I finally realized they really, they love one another in a way. That's amazing. They left their other relationships to come together, maybe just to have me. I, I was their only child together, but yeah. they had other kids, right? <clears throat> but my, um, you know, my dad, um, one of nine kids, uh, the second oldest, his mom left when uh, he was 13. He didn't want to go into foster home, was out on his own um, for a while, came to Boston, at, you know, had two sons, came to Boston at a certain point, met my mom. And my mom, I told you, my grandma was in, you know, um, in politics and, you know, when, yeah. And um, 
And so when they got together, my grandmother was like, mm -mm, you got to get your, you know, GD and uh, I can get you a job and insurance. So he, he really transformed his life. And he was working in a factory when they met. Um, and he used to always come home and, you know, it was a bit, a lot of work. And he would always say, Kabish, you know, with his hand like this, which actually means in Neapolitan Italian, do you understand? But as a kid, you know, you already get it. So it, it's, it's the contribution of this um, multilingual yeah. thing, you know? And my mom, she also um, was a nurse and she worked at Jewish Memorial Hospital. And she would always say to me uh, or to someone, don't be a mashugana, you know? And what does that mean? That means don't be a jerk. And it's Yiddish. And, but they never told me that. They never told me that. And, and I got to say to you that um, not making it significant, you know, and this is a little bit like you were saying, not making it significant. Let me teach you a word in another language, you know. Even when I went to college in New York, I did one class of one week we'd go into the museums. The next week we'd be in the classrooms. I walked into the Metropolitan Museum and I saw all these paintings that I knew because they were in my house, not the originals, but wow. duplicates. And I called my mom and I was like, hey, mom, you know, I went to, she was in Boston. I went to the museum today and we, there was a Picasso exhibit. Oh my goodness, Picasso's my favorite. I was like, yeah, I know. But I never even heard Picasso's name before. <laughs> but when she came to visit in Europe, I took her to Spain to the Picasso Museum. She was in tears. But not making their richness, you know, significant their their diversity their you know their um and so uh that was a great gift to me and my mom um loved everyone too she had friends of all different uh colors and cultures and sexual preferences and and you know and and uh and so uh, really that's the world i that's the the home i grew up in you know um, and so I never actually had any exclusion. And my dad, it's so funny because they grew up on different levels, like maybe middle class and, and like poor, my dad at some point. So my dad was always like, um, anything she doesn't want to do, don't make her do. Because I had to eat, finish my food when I was a kid because I didn't have, I didn't know when I'd get the next plate. So and my mom was like, no, you've got to finish your food. You got to eat this way. You got to do this. You got to do that. Right. But my dad was like, no, you know, go to church. And my dad in the, at 13, you know, at 13, you say, I don't want to do that anymore. My dad said, she doesn't want to do it. Don't make her do it. She doesn't want to finish piano lessons. That's the one thing I'm a little sad about, not finishing the piano lessons. But you know what I mean? So um, what was the gift that they were to me to, to um, give me um, really a global perspective um, and also not... Um, not oblige me to do anything, you know? Um, and the only thing my dad was saying always, he was very pushy about it. You have to go to college. Yeah. So I, I was, I think I'm the first one. Yeah. And my family that went to uh, college and uh, grad school too. Yeah. What a, what a gift. Um, you know, that's, yeah. that's, that's one of my regrets as well. My, uh, my mother, my 11th grade year in high school made me take piano lessons. And, um, I suffered through like the, the 
several months to the recital. And then, you know, she, she said, once you're done with the recital, you can stop taking piano lessons. And I wish to this day that I had kept doing that. I think that's, right. that's a beautiful um, talent to be able to share, you know, and um, I wish I'd done that as well. Well, maybe we can like sing our next career. Like we were just like, you know, maybe they have no age requirements for, for you yeah, exactly. While he's playing football, you know what I'm saying? We could like do, we could be like the cheer team. <laughs> so, um, you know, what is it about a Rome or Italy for you? that allows you to be the best you you can be. Obviously, you've traveled the world, you've lived in a lot of different places. Specifically, what is it about Rome, Italy? You know, um, it's a big city, Rome, and um, it is, it's almost like a walking museum. I mean, I moved here, I spent the first 30 years of my life following, you know, my mind and career and, you know, jobs and, and all that, right? Um, and it's been after 30 following my heart. Mm. So I had met a guy when I was, came to Rome, um, and, uh, through my girlfriend, American gal, who's a jazz singer. And, um, yeah, when I went, I didn't stay, I tried to stay. My dad was like, look, get your booty on the plane. <laughs> you know, I don't like to fly, but you have got to finish university. Okay, fine. So I, I did go back to Rome, married, uh, someone else for 10 years and um six months after separating uh, this guy shows up and uh in new york the 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 guy i met in in rome and uh when i was 21 wow yeah okay yeah at 30 uh 31 six months after you say he shows up he showed up for a wedding not ours. <laughs> he showed up for a wedding. And it's so funny. The other night, this couple was saying they didn't want him to come to the wedding. The people getting married, they were Italians living in Italy, living in New York. They didn't want him to come to the wedding, but he insisted to come. Not, I don't know, not necessarily to see me because I hadn't talked to him in 10 years because he didn't speak English. I didn't speak Italian at the time when we met, but it was we did yeah. communicate and connect, you know, and I didn't even remember this. But my mom said to me when I said um, I'm, I was moving to Italy because I was at the time I had left the hotel industry and I got so many offers when I left the hotel industry and everyone was saying, Cass, how can you not be getting you've been working at five stars hotels and you got exclusive hotel offers? How could you not continue their career? And I, I'm like, I, I'm so sorry. I just get that if I continue this will be the end of my road yeah you know sure. so um really um six months that changed um my life in new york my <clears throat> left the job one of my dear friends it was a huge time of aids in, the, in new york um died and uh and then i left my marriage <laughs> so it's like six, wow. six months of okay transformation and, you know, and this is just something that people, where people are listening, please, you know, nature, you've heard this before, nature abhors a void, right? But please don't fill it up immediately. Just give it some time and some space. And I started, my, my sister-in-law at the time said, hey, you know, 
if you while you're figuring out what it is you want to do, if you'd like to travel with me because you speak French and Spanish, I'm going to Spain and France and Italy, and I'm sure you can you know work that out and travel with me in the States and be my tour manager. So I did that. And uh, I started, I came back, guys, I came back to Europe for the first time in 10 years. And I was like, wow, I think I'm home. <laughs> I just really, and, and that's what actually got me to choose to make those changes in New York. And then, uh, yeah, Marco, who's now my husband, we've been married for 22 years. Oh, yeah. Well, congratulations. congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So uh, is and, Marco uh, the same yeah. gentleman? I'm just trying to put it all. Say it together. again. Is Marco is, the gentleman that showed up at the wedding? Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. And he didn't show up. I mean, he showed up in New York for right. the wedding, but I didn't go to the wedding. I didn't know those people. But he called me, and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" You know, I got married at such a young age, six months being single after being, you know, in a monogamous relationship. I was like, "Oh my goodness, who, who the heck is this?" that I gave my number to, right? And then he mentioned something and I was like, oh no, don't tell me you are Marco Corbelli. He said, yes, I am. So you come over here. So we we were both, you know, involved in other things. So we just, um, he's an architect. So we just in September in uh, in New York, going to the Guggenheim and, and traveling around and, and just uh, a, a sort of slow dance for a year and a half. And then it was like I'm not. I don't know about you, but I'm not waiting for this to show up twice in my life. You know, again. So, I, 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 yeah. I have to dig in that little, just a little bit deeper. Like, did you, did you know in that moment, right? That that like when you connected was, did you have like these feelings of like, wow, this is this takes me back to like when we first were thinking about one another in a way where we thought that there may be something here, or did it take that entire year to get you there? Right. Did you know right away or what was well, that? you know, it's easy to move when you then in 20 minutes when you're, um, you know, 16 or 18. Um, it warmed it, it. This happens with me when I meet people, you know, it warmed my heart to see him again. And it was just so much fun. And I was my friend's apartment. You know, we we actually uh, had a lot of fun. Um, he him helping me find people to um to rent rooms in the brownstone that I, my friend who passed away had, you know, left me in charge of his brownstone, you know? And so, um, you know, we, you know, with a great little, he would prepare the little things for when people came in, they could have a little champagne and have a little, you know, and, and so we just played, it was just a, an engagement like that. And, um, you know, you say that, and this is something in terms of, uh, with coaching, that a lot of times people, um, they immediately have a fixed target. <gasps> they meet somebody. And, and I know I've been talking to people about dating um, recently, but I never actually uh, have that like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this person. I'm going to have this person. I never really actually have, have that. So um, really what showed up is I was traveling for work and um, the friend that introduced us who, uh, I came for a surprise party. I don't know if you want to talk about this. And I came for, I surprised him to show up at his party. And so I was hanging out with Marco and we had a weekend together and that was the boom. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to go back, you know, who I was actually, I had to, yeah. So um, I was still in Europe and I just called him to say hi. Yeah, the and he said, oh my goodness. <laughs> 
And he said, oh my goodness, I'll come and get you. I'll come and, and we spent four days together. And that's when he said, yeah. And I was like, I could do that. I could move to Rome. Why not? Yeah. And my mom said to me, when I told her that, she said, is this the person when I asked you when you first got married? Is this the person you, uh, when I asked you, if you weren't going to marry this guy, um, is there anyone else that you would think of marrying? And is this the guy from Italy you mentioned? I said, I totally don't even remember that. Hmm. Isn't that funny that my mom had asked me that and I totally didn't remember mm -hmm. it. And this is what I mean about continually moving forward because otherwise we regret and resent and feel badly about choices that we didn't make. Every single choice we make creates something. <clears throat> no, really bad, right. Absolutely. You either, you know, um, Nelson Mandela said, you never lose. You either win or you learn something, exactly. you know, if you're willing, if you're willing, you know. So, oops, <laughs> the one thing I learned, hmm, maybe I will never choose that again. Thank you. <laughs> Consciousness for sharing that with me. That's learning something as opposed to regretting it, you know, because something will show up that's even larger. And if you do not, if you're not willing to take the gift of things that are not really a, a contribution to you and say, okay, thank you. I got it. Right. If you're not willing to take that gift, then you will have an experience that's even each and every time even more uh, intense and and can be devastating. So please know everything that shows up is uh, important. Don't you love while we're talking about him? He's calling me. <laughs> my husband. That's so I try to take that in too, though. I mean, that's one of the parts of my like my daily life that I try to take everything in as a gift and opportunity. You know. Um, no matter what shows up, how it shows up, what the outcomes are, if you look at it the right way and try to use it the right way, it can be a gift and hopefully an opportunity. So here's what's devastating, Cass, is we're at the end of our time already. Oh. And listen, we're having you back. Is that okay? Oh, no Will question. Marco be okay? Oh, please. Absolutely. And, and I have to have you here. You know, I was working in, anyway, how many seconds do we have? Well, be careful. Many. promising because we'll show yeah, up. We'll, now. we'll absolutely show up. Please do not go away. Can I take a picture of us together? But I want to say that the, the gift of um, Italy and Rome is, you know, as Americans, right, as African-Americans, um, we are a gift to the world. Okay. Uh, it's different. We're different, you know. And so, and, I, and I'm one of the founders of the Global Black Caucus, right? And, you know. Um, and that's what I like to share with the world. Come out of, you know, any glass ceiling that has been created or that you've created for yourself and, and come and see how you are perceived and received in the world and the gift that you are. So that's just all I would like. I don't know if that's how we wanted to end, but that's just what I'm I, I can't think great. of a better way to I end. So but would you come back if, if we have you back? Would that work? I'll come forward, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I like the plan though. We go to Rome when we do a show from I, there. Yeah, I think that's. The I name. will bring hello, oil and bread. I've got the setup for you. That would be my pleasure. Sure, we will make that happen. Now, don't play around. Love to. I, 
Okay, I got you. Got you. Uh, understood. <laughs> say no more. We get it. We get it. Okay. Yes, you have been such a beautiful pleasure to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You too. Yeah, thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. What a gift. All righty. Thank you. Thank you for joining All right. I just vibe. Thank you for joining us. And check us out on tcvpodcast.com. <laughs>